<laughs> Welcome to the December 2012 edition of the Thrivecast. I'm Jason Peoples. And I am Greg, and we're so glad that you tuned in for this year-end edition of the Thrivecast. We hope that you have had a fantastic year. Yeah, in and we're doing hey, we're um so we recorded some secret stash throughout the year uh, with our guests. Uh, we had we've had some phenomenal guests, and next year we have some other phenomenal guests. But what we did yeah. is we went off air and we recorded some secret stash, and we're uh, gonna rev- we're gonna this is the big reveal of the secret stash, right? Well, is it a, is it a big reveal or is it a sneak peek? Because really, we're just dipping mm. into to like we've mm. cherry picked a few choice comments from our amazing guests that we've had throughout the year that we these these guests that we've been able to bring in with the help of our co-creator, the Cloud Solutions Alliance. We've been able to get these and talk to him about some amazing stuff. And these are just sort of some of the gems from our secret stash. But, but there's good. more secret stash that eventually true. Y- people going to have to hang out and figure out how to get a, a hold of that because they still, they, it's still in the vault. That's right. It, you can't unlock the vault, baby. So hey, do you want to you want to jump into some of these awesome files? What we're going to do is kind of intro some of these, and then we're just going to insert the 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 gem, and it, it's your your mind will be blown by the end of this show. You, you will, yeah. Dang this is ton, tons of wisdom. Our first clip comes from uh, our January episode with uh, author Rafi Muhammad. He uh, he wrote the book The One Percent Windfall, and this little clip that we get to hear from him is specifically <laughs> about. Uh, about tip clauses because uh, if if you've been around uh, any of the firm of the future stuff that we've done in Thrival, you know that uh, that one of the the ideas they throw out there that apparently can be wildly successful is including a tip clause with your uh, with your clients where if you if if you blow their socks off, <laughs> they should give you know that that just explaining it's perfectly. Okay, if this is why successful behind either of our wildest dreams, I'm cool with you giving me a little. Hey, guess little, what? Guess what? I just sent a proposal with a tip clause in it. Did you? Right boom. on. Boom! Boom! That's that's awesome. I mean, and it, and it totally it totally makes sense to me. Um, so let's uh let's let's, let's dip into the to the Rafi Muhammad stash. Okay, here's here's something I really want to know about. Rafi, I get your get your take on um, is uh, is is that my mentor Ron Baker, whose name I will not have disparaged on my podcast. Uh, one of the things that he talks about that I think is it, it's kind of a mind blowing thing, and he's got some great examples of how this works. Is what he calls a tip clause, and there's a there's a one of the uh, founding uh, fellows. Of the of the Verisage Institute, which is the the uh, the think tank that that Ron Baker uh, helps to uh, that, that Ron Baker is um, one one of the one of the founding fellows that he he had this story where he had one of his one of his top clients call him and it was it was one of these uh, it, it had had something that had to be done immediately and it was this huge job and it was kind of out of the blue and what and what this guy did for him is he said he said I will do your job, and I don't know how because because it could have had a huge upside potential, could have been not much. But he says, "What I'm going to do, I'm going to do the work for you, and you just you pay me what you think is right." right. And and the whole the whole idea was ba- and and it's it's based on a tip clause, and and there are 
there are different ways to set up a tip clause where maybe you put a, a base price on something and say, okay, if like if one of the things that I do is I'll make I'll make humorous videos for people to put on online through this company I, I recently made called Damn Good Hush Puppies. And, oh, and those, one of the things we videos, talk... Those, those videos are supposed to be humorous? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hush yeah. Puppies are awesome, I, man. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're supposed to be, but I guess maybe not for people in Boston. Um, <laughs> say niche. But, but uh, man, Caribbean. I'm going to have to go talk to my therapist today after this. <laughs> Uh, but the anyway, so so other ideas are here's a base price. But if this thing goes viral, just remember us. And if you if you end up making hundreds of thousand dollars based on business you get from this video, to, you know throw us some throw us some back. I want to know what your your th- thoughts are on those well, sorts of settings. It's a good question. It's a good question. And so there has been you know there has been real research that shows that people tend to tip more when they view they're in some sort of relationship with a restaurant or this and that. I think someone did a study where, you know, people who are in business and are traveling, they tip less at a place where they're going to stop once as opposed to when they repeatedly go to a restaurant. Mm. Okay. And so uh, does that make sense? So there's a relationship yes. involved with it. With, with gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, so I like this notion of, of, yeah, we'll do the, look, we're going to extend ourselves for you and everything, and we're going to charge our rates, but we would, we would, you know, I think you'd, you know, I don't have the finessing now, I would have, I would finesse the way I speak, I say it, but basically, if there's upside, we would like you to consider sharing some of it with us. And when you're in a long-term relationship with someone, people are, will, I found, and this is, someone has done this to me, and I had to really think about this, you know, I value the relationship, and the value of that relationship came out in the amount that I gave that person. Right. So, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, the example that comes to mind is that, is, uh, is um, you know, my literary agent really came on at the last minute. And, you know, we had a good relationship and everything. And, you know, so he hadn't done all the things that a literary agent, uh, you know, was supposed to do. But then, you know, he's like, okay, well, pay me what you think is fair. Uh-huh. You know, I wanted a good relationship with him and everything and, and, you know, good business relationship. And so I was more generous. Now, well, let me right. ask you this. I just did this last night, bringing on a new customer that I feel the long-term benefit of our relationship is going to be huge. And we're... You know, he's not a customer yet, so we were tracking together when we were talking. And there's a particular coaching course we do with creative people. And I said, I want to go ahead and let you propose to me how you want to come into that course. So here's a quote for all of our traditional stuff and blah, blah, blah. But now this extra, he he said, I really need this and I want to work with you guys. And I, I believe it's going to be a good thing for both of us. So I said... You propose to me what price you want to pay and how we may can share services. But I did give him a value that I feel is, is what the course is worth. Should I have not thrown out that value at all? Well, I, abs- I actually do think you should throw out the value because in that case, in that case, you know, uh, you know I mean, going back to uh, you, you had referred to Dan Ariely's uh, That's anchor uh, pricing, book. right? Yeah. yeah. And so in that case, I think it's really important for you to set an anchor out and in some ways, it may look weak if you didn't, ah. in the sense that, oh, pay me what you want. It means you don't have confidence in your service. Ah. And, you know, you're trying to communicate to someone that, hey, I, I'm offering you unique value. And I'm confident about it, and this is the price. 
and 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 then go from there. So, would you say uh, we normally charge uh, a creative professional three hundred seventy-five dollars a month just to be in this coaching course? And so, if I ever say to somebody, "Okay, I want you to pay me what you think the value is," instead of throwing out the price I make everybody else pay, should I throw out five hundred and twenty dollars a month? Should I anchor it very, very high and let them come down from there? Well, I don't know if I would, you know, look, in a professional service, I don't know if I would uh, make it a negotiation. I would, if I were you, uh, if the value is different by, for each person, I would come up with the price on my own and, 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 and tell it to him, to, to him yeah. or her. And then I would take the time, and this is where most people fall through, fall, fall down, is that, is that, and if there's one thing I would revise a book on, I, I think that every company needs to create a value statement. The customer mm-hmm. needs to understand what this is going to do for them relative right. to the next best alternative. And I love that. Yeah, and I've talked to a lot of companies and, and, and everything. And, and you know, I'll give you an example. I was working with someone I've worked for a long time with, and he's been, uh, he's been at several different companies. And he's at a new company, and I was like, yeah, we need to do a value statement. And he's, sort of, he's like, yeah, Rafi, we know our value. And then three months down the, you know, I just led the pass. And three months down the road, you know, his boss, who was the president of a $2 billion division, sort of said, we need a value statement. Uh-huh. And most companies can't articulate it at their value. And I often say, gee, if a company can't articulate the value of their products, how is the consumer supposed to know? Right. So I think you should take some time to say, look, let me, let me, I want you to the value. Let me tell you what this is going to do for you. And, and, you know, and, and it, it can't be general. It, it, you, you know, I would, use the, I would say it's going to do this, and I would give an example of, of uh, how to – so people can – people remember the stories. And, I, you know, that's how I would do it. All right. Who's, who's our next test is with – now, Kara Haas. Now, so let me say about Kara Haas. She um, – She's like uber cool, coolness. Yeah, yeah. And so we actually got into talking about cool. And so I was actually talking about um, how to, you know, I told her how my, my CPA friends locally pick on me for wearing jeans and flip-flops. And, right. and I was asking her, is that okay? And um, she really dove into the coolness of the CPA yeah. brand, which yeah. I don't even know if that exists yet. But then we actually got into um, some discussions on niching your firm uh which uh, is pretty cool right and she you know kara haas pretty cool because we we talked to her when she was a vendor with uh with with vend uh the the point of sale people she now she's now a nasa scientist i believe yeah I, she's um she's actually on a trip she- to mars right now she's on the the rover spacecraft She's gonna help. Is it Rover? Up, she's gonna help them set up their new Mars uh, gift shop. So <laughs> on right end. So here's here's Kara and Joy. Kara, you said we need to be more cool. <laughs> is that really true? I mean, is that one well, of our problems of as as CPAs? Well, we have the opportunity to define cool, and it's great that that a lot of people have defined tattoos as cool. Uh-huh. But we can, <laughs> we can, we have the opportunity right now to define what a cool accountant is. Yeah, how are we supposed to do that? I mean, the AICPA is trying, and let me just say this: they're not going to be the ones to lead that. No. Nope. 
So true. But they are right. They are trying, and you know, they ha- really they're more. They seem more like a business now than they ever used to be, which kind of is icky, you know. Um, I want them to pr- to protect the brand, which they do that well, I think. But in protecting it, they do make it uncool. Yeah. And so I don't know how are we supposed to do this as a whole. Maybe it's starting things like Thrive or Jody's IC Opportunities, and we say, "Hey, it's time for us to step it up. We suck." I, I think I think you're definitely onto something with that because. To a degree, sometimes we're we're forced to come in and play defense against ourselves, mm. and that poses a little bit of a problem. We definitely, as a profession, want to put together a strong offense, and I think collaborating together on things like Thrival and the IC opportunities, and being able to come together to put together some events where we can brainstorm opportunities to be cool and and how to be forward thinking from there i think we can present a definition of a cool cpa you know i love okay you just said something really cool so and and i and it's something i feel but i've never put it into words like that i am i am always on the defensive when i'm trying to explain to a new client who i am and what i do and they're like but you're virtual and you wear jeans and say, dude. And I'm like, I know, but that's okay. And they're like, I know, but it's just so weird. So that is interesting. So our profession needs to turn more to an offensive stance, which means we have to become a team, which right now we are not because we have this old school mentality fighting now the very few, those of us who are trying to be cool. I hope I'm in that bucket. You're in that bucket. <laughs> cool. You're a bucket leader. All right. And it's You're not trying. You are. All right. Come on. And so it's it's hard. We we're fighting it. God, that you said it's awesome. We're fighting against ourselves. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Now is is part of it and uh, with this whole rebranding and making accounting cool, in my mind I keep coming back to the idea of of like CPA plus because because Jason you're right the the AICPA is there and and a lot of what they're there to do is to protect and reinforce and build the brand but they're building they're they're protecting and reinforcing and building the old school brand of 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 where we're pigeonholed into this but if we could say it, it's almost like individual CPAs need to brand themselves as saying I've got all that goodness of what CPAs do plus I've got all this other stuff in my tool belt where I can come and help your business is that and and maybe the rebranding's more on an individual level and Kara do you rub shoulders with individuals who are do, do you see that happening at all I do and it it's such a difficult position to be in because we're being called on and looked to to be all things to all people uh-huh. which is very difficult to juggle everything have a solid foundation and be cool at the same time. Uh, and, and so good point. No, that's so true. The people the people that I am finding successful in, in paving the way and, and I count you two in this cool. is find one thing that you really excel at and that you're passionate about. And it's not difficult to find that because you'll know it's the one thing that you're most passionate about that you look forward to doing each day 
within the industry, it can be something so minuscule, like whatever that code section is for inventory 263A. Right, 263A. You know that one, right? I remember Jay- that one. Jay- Jason? Uh, Jason? Yeah. Jason's got a memory of 263A. <laughs> oh, yeah, keep I going. Love, I love FIFO. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's that one thing that you know inside and out and take it from a new angle and find a new creative way to present it Uh and it may be through technology it may be through a blog post it may be through right and even just on social media you can start to get a buzz uh, surrounding it from different angles and I think that's how you start to build your brand and how you begin to be cool. There's lots of ways to be cool. And then we can all be cool with our own individual code sections <laughs> now, okay. and come together for some strong offense. Okay. Yes. So, Oh, that's God. This is awesome. Okay. Kara. So it sounds like you're talking about a niche and yes. and not only a niche, but when you choose a niche and again, you choose a niche from what you're passionate about. You should dive deep, deep into that niche. Turn away everything else, which is kind of what you did. You were a retail right. POS yeah. girl. That's who you were. Everybody knew you that way because you loved point it. Of, point of sale. Point of sale. There you go. <laughs> yes. So, so And so you're saying, if okay, let's say five years from now, if everybody is in their own niche, they're all deep into that niche, we're not really competitors and they're all cool in their own way. We're now collaborators. We're a team. We're an offense now. Ooh, we just I love we it. just solved it. Yeah. Yes. We solved yes. we solved the world's problems. I'm pumped about um, our next next uh, little gym that we're going to insert. Um, mm-hmm. It's from Michelle Golden, and you know she's she's big time. Yeah, she's like big time, and it's kind of hard to talk to her because she's so freaking smart. She's one of those people, but she doesn't make you feel bad. She's just like you ask her something, and like this wisdom pours out, and you're like, "Where is that coming from?" Right. Well, she's the nice. She's one of the nicest people on the planet. Well, and huh? she she ends up on every every time somebody makes a list of awesomeness in accounting. Right. She's on it. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, but one thing. One thing we asked her in the stash, a lot of people don't know this, but in the stash, sometimes I would try to take over and get some of my firm's problems solved. <laughs> it was my own personal counseling time. But we went virtual as a firm, and I'm like, all right, that's probably scary. So um, we talked to Michelle about building culture in a virtual firm, something her and Melinda Guillemet talk a lot about and do workshops on. And Melinda Guillemet is actually a coach for Jennifer and I in Thrival, so they're both <clears throat> hugely influential over over you, thrival. I think you're pronouncing your last name wrong. Guillemet. No, it's it's Gilliamidi. <laughs> that it's, is it is Melinda G- Gilliam. It's actually <laughs> Gilliam- Greek. it's a Greek it's a Greek name. <laughs> so, uh, but no, but they, it, one of the things in terms of what what we what we're going to hear Michelle talk about a lot of this it's it, it, you know we have the kind of there's there, there's these thing themes that have come up. As we've done our different Thrivecasts, one of which is uh, is that if you suck, you suck at everything, and and these guys they really talk about a lot of foundational stuff that you got that you yes. got to do right. Yes, it's, and it's it's soft skills, but it's powerful soft skills that you got to do. You know, That's, well, you know what it is? It's it's soft. It's hard soft skills. It's 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 kind of like a. a <laughs> 
it's a hard soft skill because it's a soft skill, but it's just so solid in material. It's a hard. Yeah. Hey, dude, we've just what, coined what, a phrase. Man? We coined a phrase: hard soft skills. It's gonna that's gonna blow through the that's CPA gonna, world like that's crazy. Gonna, that that's gonna completely defragmentate us. Oh yeah. Hey, that's from your most recent article on Thrival. <laughs> yeah, but but let's listen to Michelle. Oh yeah, not us. Yeah. Well, hey, can I jump on um, something that I'm dealing with in my firm and get some free consulting advice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is good. Uh, value price. Oh boy. <laughs> but okay. we can consider this the diagnostic. There we go. This is the diagnostic. Okay, so. Um, we're closing our office in our firm, and uh, it's supposed to happen the first day of 2013, but it will probably happen later this year. So, and it's it's not he's not going out of business, right? He's going to a virtual firm, right? Thank you for clarifying that. A lot of people go, "Oh, I'm sorry to hear that." No, yeah. we're closing our office, so so we're we're going to really be highly focused, or I think I should be highly focused on building culture with our team and you. And my good friend, Melinda Guillemette, which is also your very good friend, whom yeah. you introduced her to me. Y'all did some kind of event on building uh, culture in a remote environment. So yeah. what, what are a couple of points of advice that I could potentially screw up, I mean, in real life here that I need to think about? Okay. Well, uh, okay. So the, when Melinda and I, we present, and we're going to do it again here in a couple months, we cool. present on what we call virtual leadership imperatives. Um, it, the three big things, you're going to like these, articulate, motivate, and create. Cool. Um, so articulate is really creating your employee, your customer and your employee key um, performance indicators, right? So you've got to define success for each employee. You're not so worried about butts and seats, right? And I know you have a pretty row culture, right. um, or I think you're going toward that. We you are. want to really identify like what it is that the employee's role is. What are necessary accomplishments and then would be nice accomplishments? What are the time frames for those accomplishments? And and clarify like what that result looks like. There's a big difference between, okay, um, Jason, when you deliver this to me, this would be this, looking like this, sounding like this, with this information lacking, this would be not good enough. This, on the other hand, would be okay, and this over here, if it was like this, would be freaking, and you would say that, amazing. Right, freaking the bomb. Yeah, that's, so that's you can say, like, okay, these are the standards, and, and this right. is the time frame, go, right? Okay. So trust is key, so that's under articulate, that's clarifying the scope of their job. It's the same as when you clarify the scope to your client. Mm. Nice. Okay. That's good and stuff. And then motivating, which is trust-based. Do you know what the four, um, um, oh gosh, um, I'm blanking out for a sec. Um, the four distinctions of trust are from Charles Feltman. I've posted yes. about this. No, yes, no. I do. I don't. They are they are bullying, uh, <laughs> uh, interrogating, innovation uh, boogers, imitating, I in intimidating, and hugging. I think. Hugging. Those are <laughs> I like there's a sexual harassment case in there somewhere. <laughs> Big time. Okay. Well, that's what Greg lives for. He's always trying so to hug. So that's people. it. You knew. No. Saltman's um, <laughs> four distinctions of trust are um, sincerity, which is say what you mean and mean what you say. Reliability, keeping your promises. 
competence, which is having the ability to do what you're doing or propose doing, competence, it's a, it's a no-brainer. And then care, having the other person's interest in mind as well as your own when you make decisions and take actions. If Hugging. those four <laughs> things aren't, yeah, I told you, if those four things aren't there between you and your employees, both directions, you got to fix that. That's culture, and that has to be there or row won't work. So why, why is that under the motivate? It, that you just motivate with trust, like meaning you can't motivate unless you have the trust first. Is that what if, that? Yeah, if trust okay. isn't there, if, if okay, think about the firm you worked in before you started your own firm. Mm. Did you feel trusted? Did you have autonomy? Did you feel like the people thought you were worth your salt? No. Bingo. Right. And why is that? Because they didn't give that. It, it wasn't reciprocal that people meant what they said. And, and right. there was people not saying what they really mean. If that's huge. Yeah. Like, if you don't think I'm being square with you, how, how do you think that I put your future in the place it needs to be as your employer? Yeah. That's so, all. Okay, so you got articulate, motivate, and what else? Articulate, motivate, and create. Create's easy for you. It's oh, culture. Yeah. It's it's culture that's intangible and infrastructure that's tangible. I guarantee you, you've got infrastructure covered. Yeah, yeah, we do. Culture is the tricky one, and so that kind of goes back to it's. It needs to be nurtured. Like you guys are good at this. You want to do FaceTime or or Skype video. Mm-hmm. You need even though you don't see each other in in the seats, you need to be able to look into each other's eyes. I, I, I don't know, Melinda and I Skype, video Skype all the time. Yeah. It helps so much and we need to connect. So that's ideal. Um, so create that culture. When you go back to the, the culture creation, you go back to motivating, which is really inspiring that participation at that core, core level. Like if somebody doesn't feel empowered to build something better than what they have, like I don't know about you, but I've always worked on getting rid of my job. Yeah. Like I've always worked myself out of a job right. on purpose because that's what makes me happy. And so that I like to surprise an employer by going, look, I just made myself irrelevant. Can you promote me now? <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. And we're back with Renee Lassert from Build.com. Build.com is everywhere. And uh, Renee Lassert is a swimmer or was, uh, if you don't remember that from the original podcast, um, but he's but I didn't one of remember. the things that, this was this was interesting. This uh, we I, we were talking about hiring the right people, and and I kind of put him on the spot. I, I think <laughs> where I was like he had some story, and I was like, okay, tell us some names. Who is this guy that was a horrible employee <laughs> that you can spill it and. Uh, uh, but but he really you know uh, again with so many of these conversations we have with these big brained people you know bill.com <laughs> you don't think you're going to have a huge discussion about hr and hiring the right people but that's what we had with him and i think there was a lot of really good insights that he gave us so so we hope you enjoy the the clip of renee and this is some more good hard soft skills stuff exactly did you, did you see what i did there i just inserted our 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 new it's, reinforcing right so all right so let's go to our big bad renee yeah you know i think hiring is one of those um it's probably one of the most important things you can do because as soon as you grow past the ability to do all the work then you've got to you know trust other people uh to do it so for me um i look at the management team we have a good number of folks uh 
So the the SVP of business development is somebody that I worked with at Baseline Coal, and I met her as a trade. Uh, Kathleen was somebody I worked with at Baseline Coal, and um, she was somebody that kind of came in and and uh, and uh, just was an amazing job. And so I just stayed in touch with her at Baseline Coal. It's kind of an obvious thing to do. Um, and other than that, oh, the, uh, our VP of finance was the controller base cycle. So that's three out of the 10 folks on the management team. Wow. Everybody else was just kind of through the network. And one of the things I've written about before is the, the, the utmost importance of the network. The care and feeding of the network is something that most operators don't realize. I didn't realize how critical it was going to be. It, it just, it's never ending. I mean, the value you get from people that you get to know and how everybody wants to help you and you know just that whole flow is important so you know i can i can go back to all the great hires and all come from somebody that i knew the network so what a do you, so time time to get real renee do you have do you have any horror stories of, of firing employees and they go in and uh, and uh, and put malicious code inside bill.com or or uh, you know they they uh Spill they, it. they 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 torch the uh, the copy machine on it. Well, you guys are paperless, I'm sure, so probably didn't do that. And anything, anytime it blow up in your face, yeah. You know, uh, not not at Bill.com. Um, but and, but, uh, but somewhere. Uh, well, you know, the first time I had a, a challenging employee uh, was added to it, and and uh, you know the, the guy got some reviews that weren't so positive, and and. Uh, you know, he made some threats. So it was actually more personal threats. So it was actually pretty scary. Uh, at the time that, um, you know, somebody had, uh, had unfortunately gone postal, if you will. So he uh, referenced that and referenced that he had guns in his car and I shouldn't have walked with my back to him and stuff like that. So, oh, my gosh. So that's pretty scary stuff, right? So Yeah, I mean, you, like, got a family. That, like, kind of freaks you out. That You have a bad day that day, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So... So, but you know, one of the one of the values that we have here uh, at Bill.com is that you know we're dedicated to listening and we're uh, proactive in our communication. So those two values are something we do with our employees. So typically, when somebody has been fired here, they knew it was coming um, and they understood it, and we you know work them out so that they have a good transition and and it's positive. And so there's you know we even will have a going away party or we're done. And so. I feel fortunate here we haven't had that experience. Okay, we're back with Phil Simon. Now, Phil Simon was cool because he was one of our fir- first book authors. Now, actually, Rafi Muhammad was our first book author. No, dude, it's all book authors now. Man. I don't know why these people say yes to come, but we've got. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this moment to say we've got some giant some giants coming for 2013. Giants. We got we got uh, Tell me. Uh, Joe Pine. Of the experience economy, the experience economy—that's gigantic. That's a book that I, people everywhere like. If you haven't read the experience you, economy, yeah. you got to read it, this. It's it's amazing. We're already applying actually some of that stuff. It's right. Well, everybody should be. Uh, and then yeah, we got Jeff uh, Moore. Yeah, Doctor Jeffrey Moore, who uh, wrote Jeffrey "Crossing the Moore. Chasm." Chasm. Right, which is a big big time. Where I was just at something. I can't even remember. Oh, I was at uh, I was at a uh, Gail Perry's uh, virtual conference with Accounting Web. Yeah, you were and tweeting somebody, for them, right? I was tweeting for that, and there was a, <laughs> one of the speakers put up. It was just the uh, the, uh, the the innovation, you know, the the, uh, the adoption. Thing. Of, yeah, yeah, and they were like, "Here's Jeffrey Morning." I go, "I know that guy." He also just wrote a white paper for somebody for something I and saw then, too. And then you said, "You said 
I know him. I know him. I know him. I did. I, that's what I tweeted. That was a tweet. That was a tweet. a tweet. I know him. I know him. Jumping up and down. I know him. I know him. Yeah, it was good. Uh, well, well, here's a so, so weird thing with Phil Simon. Believe it or not, this guy's all about platforms and how to build your platform. Right. The conversation that we had with him was about Pinterest because <laughs> that's something that dudes sit around and talk about is, is Pinterest. Um, but but it brings up something that's really interesting that in, in my life, we – we're always encouraged to adopt and leverage social media. And the thing that I've realized with all social media, the one I'm a slacker on, what, my biggest weakness right now in the, in the, the generally accepted uh, uh, social media is uh, I don't do LinkedIn so, so good. Yeah, I don't either. Johnson helped me a lot with with uh, with some vision and how to do that stuff right. I think with all of it, one of the keys is how can you use that media to be something that's just fun for you. I think if it's not fun for you, it becomes inauthentic. And I've actually been finding some ways to to make uh, LinkedIn a little bit more fun for me. Something that I'd use just na- that I would use naturally, and not feel like it was a chore. Uh, Pinterest. Interest is the same kind of thing. There's going to be people that's going to work for, and it's not going to work for. Uh, it could work for everybody, but you got to make sure that you're having fun with it. <laughs> and with those words, how's, of, your, how's, how's your Pinterest page? <laughs> you know, uh, actually, Jennifer does uh, social media for Thrival, and she actually just set up. <clears throat> she was reviewing the shows because. <clears throat> excuse me, with my voice, she is our producer. Jennifer Blummer is the you, producer of the podcast. You getting a little hay fever going on? Yeah, get, Jason, uh, get a little hay fever. Somebody, somebody well, cut the grass recently well, around your house or something? <laughs> there they are. There, there they, are. they are. We needed them to make the show. No, she actually set up a Pinterest account uh, reviewing these files for this um, for this show. Oh, really? For this, so, for this so episode? For this episode, she was reviewing the files. She set up a Pinterest account because she was listening to this clip going, crap. This is something we've got to leverage. So with that, let's dive into uh, discussions on Pinterest with a bunch of guys. Here's Phil Simon. But you guys, I think, have the right sort of mindset, right? You want to experiment. I mean, just as an example, a friend of mine is a landscaper, and he came over and he, he did the house, and you know, I wound up doing his website. We got to be pretty good friends. So I'm showing him Pinterest, and I do a quick search for Las Vegas real, um, landscaping. And nothing comes back. And he goes, oh, I guess I shouldn't be on Pinterest, right? And I go, no, no, no. That's exactly <laughs> you should. why you should yeah. be on Pinterest. Because you could be, for the next week or month or year, the only search results that come back wow. from Las Vegas real estate. Can you imagine? Not that that means you're going to close a million-dollar deal. But that is an incredible opportunity for you. And I bet you in a year, if you Google, if you search Pinterest for Las Vegas real estate, there will be 50 of your competitors there. So why not, as I said, jump on that early? Now, I can't tell you that being on Pinterest is going to have an ROI of 13.7%, right? right? But again, it doesn't take a lot of technical sophistication to pin a picture, to set up an account, to start, you know, building kind of your boards. So why not spend a couple hours and do it? And if it doesn't work out, then you know what? Big deal. But what if it gives you one solid lead, right? Imagine, you know, what's your, co- you know, what's, what's, what, how much do companies spend for 
you know, lead acquisitions or right. customer acquisition. I mean, why did Facebook pay a billion for Instagram, which worked out to about $35 a user? Mm. Well, it's because that's cheap. A lot of companies will pay more than $100 for a qualified lead. So again, if you value your time at all, then mm. Pinterest could wind up being cheap. And again, that's out there forever. So I can't say that you should, as an accounting firm, you need to be doing these five things. But, you know, if, if, I mean, is your program available on Stitcher Radio? It is, yeah. Yeah, see, to me, that's smart because, you you know, Stitcher, I don't know how many millions of times it's been downloaded, but, you know, why wouldn't you want people there going, you know what, I have some tax questions. Let me look at what kind of accounting shows there are. And you know what, guess what, boom, you're there. But again, people who think, well, I only want them to listen to my podcast on my site. Well, you know what, you can't stop people from downloading an MP3 or recording it with GarageBand or a million other ways you can get to distributing it without it. So why not embrace that? And it's possible, right, right, that someone listens to this, they record it, they put it on a bit tour, and you guys never know about it, right? That's always possible. Mm -hmm. But to me, the benefits of embracing these other platforms far exceed their costs. Your favorite's upcoming, Dan Ariely, man. No, 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 sorry. He is upcoming, but he's not next. I'm sorry. It's Rick Telberg that's next. I'm looking at my show notes here, and there. I'm, I'm off. Sorry. That's all right. Rick Telberg is actually, you know what? Rick Telberg, I like him better than Dan Ariely because Dan Ariely, you Thank know, you. he hates me. <laughs> he hates me. I wanted him to like me so much, but Rick Telberg, <laughs> Rick Telberg's a great guy. Um, he's out in he's uh, he's out in Long Island. I just uh, registered for a comedy festival out in Long Island uh, in May. I'll let you know if I get in. But uh, yeah, Rick please Tilburg, let us let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I think didn't 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 Sandy the hurricane hit Long Island pretty hard. It did, but they got five months to recover, and then I'll go in and make and make them laugh. They, people need to people got to laugh, dude. Do you know what? Can I tell you a story? Yeah, tell tell me a story about Long Island and how one hurricane comes and hits them, and they're never allowed to have fun again. That's a good story. <laughs> no, I was in. I was with a client in California, and we were just kind of eating together, and I just met them. And one of the employees go. <laughs> one of the employees looked at me and goes. So Sandy really pounded you hard, didn't it? And somebody else looked over like, "What? We just met Jason, and who is Sandy? And why are you talking like that?" Oh, oh, and and I was, and we were like, "Wait, Sandy the Hurricane?" And they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Oh no. Anyway, okay. What I don't know. Is there a so way that, to cut this comment off? No, no. But, I'm but sorry. There is, it made me think, think of that because Long Island got pounded by Sandy. <laughs> but you did mention before before we started this, you mentioned that we do have several listeners who ask their children to leave the room before <laughs> yes. they play the podcast. Man. If your children are very impressionable, uh, this is, you know. If they don't want to see someone take a bath in a fake bathtub with fake blood and two ladies no, and a tiger, do you need to no, no, move no, them out? No, no. We weren't recording that, Jason. No one has any idea what, <laughs> what you just referred to. It's the curtain thing, didn't you say? Okay. Don't we remove the curtain. we got to start this whole thing over again. Okay. So, Rick, no, Rick Telberg is awesome. <laughs> He's talking about continuing education. Uh he and he he's 
when this guy believes something, I think he'll go he'll go to your face and go, A, you're an idiot. B, this is dumb. And he doesn't like mince words. He just you ask him, so do you think uh CPE is working kind of good? And he's like, It's stupid. It's awful. Uh-huh. And he'll let you know, which is hey. what I like about my boy yeah, Rick. I, I like people with uh with hard opinions. Let's listen to Rick Telberg rip a new one Boom. for CPE. Boom. Okay, Rick, so here we are with our secret stash recording and um Wow, you were making some pretty big statements uh, on the podcast, um, like 150-hour rule was one of the stupidest things that had ever happened. Uh, that CPE is gonna is gonna change. Is changing. Dramat- well, or now. And right, that CPAs and I, are the crappiest business owners around. Right? Can I? Can I? Ju- I need to jump back in on the education stuff just to just to sum up real quick what you said in the podcast. You said that. Uh, 40 hours per year is just arbitrary and there's a, that a lot of stuff that that passes as CPE right now is really gosh it's stuff I guess it's stuff that people want anyways uh, that still counts as CPE that people would get whether or not they can check a box saying that they got it but are you tell me what you envision the future of CPE being again, do you think that it's going to be a, a, an annual test to relicense? That that test says, that, yeah, you're smart enough to be a CPA still. What what do you see? Well, I'm I'm not making this up. I'm following the lead of uh, Bill Gates at Microsoft, and and of course he's got this huge foundation that's doing amazing things uh, in lots of areas like malaria and clean water, but also in education. Right. And he- and he's got this 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 idea that uh, at bottom, education needs to provide competency uh-huh. for life, English, math, history, whatever. But you extend that notion to accounting, and that's that's what we're all about anyway. I mean, competency is 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 you know one of the ethical values that yeah. uh, accountants have to adhere to. Yeah. So. There'll be competency testing. It doesn't matter how you got the knowledge, right. but if you put yourself out as a certified public accountant or a trusted advisor, there are certain th- things that you need to know. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you need to prove it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move to a an assessment system. Now, it could be as quick as uh, taking a five-minute online test after figuring out something with somebody else. It could be uh, it could be uh, uh, developing as an innovative way to do something, for instance, that is then peer-reviewed and that and and adds value. So that this this profession becomes scientific and research driven and and peer reviewed in terms of advancing, not you know not whether we've ticked the box, but advancing the the science and logic and and wisdom of of uh, of accountancy. So, are so you you saying this is going to be done? CPE is going to transform to do this? As we know, it is crashing and burning right now. Uh, see, that's too bad. I was giving it. 
You you're gonna what, Greg? You you came out right. I was I was gonna get in on the CPE racket, and if it's crashing and burning, that kind of ruins some of my future plans. No, but plans. you're the one to innovate it. Well, well, I, I was the one that's gonna make it funny that you have to do this stuff that's stupid. So I'm gonna at least make it enjoyable while you have to sit through it. Well, but if somebody, if everybody recognizes it's stupid and does something about it, then that really blows my whole plan. There goes his business model, Rick. Fakes Thanks. a lot. Jeez, this podcast is over. <laughs> well, Rick, how are you going to change all this if you've got a? It's a regulatory issue. NASBA's got to be in on what you're saying, and if they don't believe you, then they're not going to change it. It's going to take ten and twenty years, actually. I mean, it oh. took, took ten and twenty years. <laughs> you got time, Greg. You could charge some people enough to make a living at least <laughs> for ten years. <laughs> right. So, okay, Rick, should people like Greg and I be on the NASBA board and try to? I mean, should we should we infiltrate with ninja suits on? You know, I think the CPE system is so broke, you shouldn't try and fix it. I think you should just start new. It, well, okay, but, okay, let's say Thrival wants to, which we actually do. We, we still have to say NASBA will let you still have the 40-hour thing that you still have to chalk up to your state society every year. So how do I create something new if... I can make up some great stuff, but NASBA still has to be involved right now. How can I make up something new within the confounds of what the regulatory NASBA says I have to do CPE this way? Uh, you know, in, in, in that way, the uh, state regulatory boards are government bureaucrats, and and they're bound by rules as arcane and as inflexible as the Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a slam don't, right there. Don't get me started on them. They pissed me off this year. <laughs> don't get me on the DMV, man. Yeah, and you know, don't blame the accountancy boards. They're accountants. Uh, they're just trying to follow the rules. Uh. The thing that uh, I think what uh, what the opportunity for uh, uh, for uh, progressive thinking accountants is figuring out ways to take the CPE that they need, uh, make it as interesting and useful as possible. If you're going to spend the time and money doing that anyway, but I think every accountant already realizes that there's stuff outside the quote unquote CPE realm that they need to know. In New York, for instance, and a few other states, uh, uh, practice management or marketing or running your practice is not CPE eligible. Oh, right. man. So running your business is is not part of CPE in, in a lot of places. It's not universally respected as a professional uh, skill. Which makes sense to me because, I mean, I think, I mean... I, I, it seems like the majority of my CPE probably is practice management sort of stuff that I do. But yeah, I've, I've always thought that that's a little bit of a joke that that, that you know, what makes me good at, uh, you know, at being able to audit your tax returns because I just sat through an, an hour of somebody telling me how to, how I can be, a, you know, manage my time better. Exactly. And that's and, and is that, is that specific to accountants? Maybe, maybe not. Uh -huh. um, I, I, what accountants understand is that the education, the learning, the evolution, the innovation, the change that they they all have to go through individually is is something way more important 
than CPE. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we can deliver CPE. It's it's a it's a product, and and they're always going to be uh, bound to push with uh, the state boards and with the uh, uh, and with the major vendors and the institutions and the societies because everybody has a vested interest in, in the way it is now uh, you know th- 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 there's something institutional about uh, the the, uh, the legacy system we have in place right. so, but, but uh, I think I, I think the battle the debate over CPE is is, is that mostly, it's for regulatory purposes. Right. And if there's really something that I need to know to help a client, I'm probably going to call another CPA. Yeah, exactly. Right. Unless, you're, unless you suck. Yeah, you know, I'm going to call somebody, I'm going to look it up, I'm going to figure it out. And, and that's how accountants become better professionals. That's, okay. that's the community thing you were talking about. Okay, now... We're to Dan Ariely, right? Yes, and he and and one of the things we got to, I was this was one of the things that I was a little bummed didn't make it into the actual uh, podcast. We had so much, to, well, we had so much to ask him, but he had so much he wanted to to tell us <laughs> that really didn't relate to what we asked him. But this was where we got down to some of it, where we're we're nailing him on on independence in the accounting profession and how his research on cheating and lying and stuff like that relates specifically to the accounting profession some of the ethics rules that we because got. Because of his I mean his recent book is the what is it the the truth about dishonesty or something yeah. like that. And yeah, so he the, he did a whole book on um how we all just lie, we lie to ourselves, we lie to everybody and actually so, sometimes it's good and it kind of helps our economy move forward and so it's we should all lie. I think that was the uh, end result of the book. I think Conclusion. No, I think I not really close. I think what it is is that we all do lie. Oh, we all do but, lie, but only enough to where we can still feel good about ourselves. By the way, ah. Jason, not, I love your hair, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very nice, isn't it? Well, when you get out of bed about three minutes before you do the podcast, wait, that, that's when we're supposed to start. The, wait, what? <laughs> oh, your hair looks good, dude. Your hair looks good. <laughs> I uh, is I like I like that comment after you just said I think we're all liars, we just don't know we lie so much. And then you said, by the way, Jason, your hair looks good today. Right. Should we go to our Dan Ariely clip? I think we need to. <laughs> we're just these these intros are disintegrating. <laughs> okay, getting worse. <laughs> Dan Ariely, now Ooh. go go. Yeah, so, so let's talk a little bit about cheating for, for a second, because I don't want yeah. to uh, have any kind of uh, uh, belief that I think CPAs are bad, are bad people. Um, I just think they are people. So here is the thing about cheating. We, we tempt people to steal money from us, and the way we do it is we give them a, a sheet of paper with some questions, and we say, you have uh, five minutes of as many of those as you can, and we'll pay you a dollar per question. And people go ahead, and they solve as many as they can in five minutes, at the end of the five minutes, we say, please stop, put your pencil down, and count how many questions you got correctly. And then we say, please now go to the back of the room and shred your piece of paper. So people shred the piece of paper. And then we say, okay, and now please come to the front of the room and tell us how many questions you got correctly. 
So people do that, and now they have a chance to cheat. And what happens? Um, we find that people report six questions, but in fact, they solve only four. And the way we know it is that we can jump into the recycling bin and we can find out how many questions they really solve correctly. <laughs> people think that they shred, people think they shred the, uh, the sheet, but they actually don't shred it. So we can, we can find it out. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I did not know that's how the experiment worked. That's, that's awesome. That's the matrix. That's the matrix experience you guys used a lot. That's right. That's right. So you're not actually um, shredding the paper? We're shredding the sides, but not the main body of the page. <laughs> that's great. Um, so, so what happened is that you know lots of people cheat cheat a little bit, and just kind of to give you a sense in the in the book, I described many many experiments of about thirty thousand people, and from those um, thirty thousand people we found 12 big cheaters and together the 12 big cheaters stole about 150 dollars from me and from those uh, 30,000 people about 18,000 little cheaters emerged and they stole 36,000 dollars from me and I think this is actually a good reflection you know sometimes there are bad people out there it happens but because there are few of them their economic impact is rather low on the other hand, there's lots of people who cheat just a little bit, and because there's so many, uh, the, the economic implication of, of all the small cheating is, is very high. Right. And, 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 and I think the same thing is probably right for CPAs, right? There are very few bad, few bad CPAs. True. But there are probably lots of people who can, who can cheat a little bit. Now, this cheating is cheating that we call under the radar. It's about the ability to stretch the truth a little bit and still feel good about yourself. Right. For example, nobody feels badly if, you're, if you're, your wife asks you, honey, how do I look in that dress? And you said, you look fantastic, <laughs> even if it wasn't perfectly true for that particular evening. <laughs> you wouldn't, uh, you know, kind of bang yourself over the head and say, I'm dishonest, I'm dishonest. No, you would basically say, this is, this is kind of the way, the way the world works, and you could rationalize it very quickly. That this is actually the right way to behave. And what we find is that the same thing holds for much of dishonesty, that very easily and quickly we could uh, rationalize our actions. This is what everybody is doing. Uh, they will fix it next time. It's just for one time. It's for the good of the client. Um, the tax code is actually not right, and this actually makes it more fair. I couldn't get this deduction, so this deduction makes it even. <coughs> Lots of things like that are helping people rationalize uh, bad behavior. And rationalization, the, the combination of conflicts of interest and the ability to rationalize end up bringing a lot of harm into the system. Well, one of the things, Dan, Dan I, I imagine that you're, that you're, uh, you're aware that, that within, the, within the CPA world, being independent is like the, that, that's, that's a, one of the main driving forces because we can't, we can't do an audit or a review of financial statements unless we're it considered, according to these very labyrinthine uh, regulations, we're considered independent from our client. But, I, I mean, I've talked to, about this with other accountants that the very – basically, this is, a, this is a self-contradictory phrase to say, I am paid to be independent. And, mm -hmm. yeah. and, and then especially going through your book, I mean, yeah, you're, you're talking about conflict of interest. You're, some of the interesting things that you talked about was monitoring, and, and you had a very interesting uh, experiment that you did where people had an opportunity to, to cheat, 
and if they were supervised by someone that they were not allowed to engage in any chit-chat, that their cheating stopped. However, if they were allowed to be friendly with the person, then the cheating went back to, I think, normal levels. Um, and also that, that uh, it, it's a lot easier to rationalize cheating behavior if you can recognize that someone else is going to benefit from your cheating behavior, even if you don't benefit. And I go, gosh, all of those are present within the auditing and reviewing relationship. Do you think the independence is that we're just lying to ourselves as a profession and the independence isn't really something that we can gain, that, that we can achieve? So, so I think that um, we should strive for independence. I think that the idea of getting truly to be independent is probably going to be very, very tough. So, you know, the moment you're paid by somebody, you're right. You're not independent. And you know what? And if they invite you for lunch, you're all of a sudden less independent. <laughs> And, right. and if you hope to stay with them the next year, you're also less independent. <laughs> right. But by the way, do you know what is one of the best investments in the U.S., best <laughs> financial investments? It's lobbying. Uh-huh. And, and, and the reason is that people are really cheap, right? You buy somebody lunch, they all of a sudden start seeing life from your perspective. <laughs> it's, incredibly, it's incredibly cheap to buy people in this, in this way. Okay. So um, we've skipped, yeah, we skipped three different months of shows that were either live or, or whatever, but we're now to our last show. We just had guest Tim Williams on in November 2012, and, um, you know, he was Big dropping guy. some bombs, man. Yeah, he, th- that guy. Some nuggets of guy, truth. Yeah, he's got this very, this very focused thing that he talks about in terms of branding. And I don't know about you, but he his content is totally some of that stuff where you're like going, I know this, but for some reason I've got to be reminded about it. And the stuff that you're telling me is blowing my mind. I one of the things I love that you're going to hear about this is he di- he differentiates between sales and marketing. Differentiations. Differentiates those two for us. Um, and he also and it, and I I think this clip drops us in. Uh, Right after I ask him just some a question about at my at my work at my job, it, it, we're trying to brand ourselves one way. Is it okay for us to still take customers who don't necessarily fit our brand? And I thought it was really interesting what he had to say. Well, I, I've <clears throat> the very next day I was teaching a coaching course to some of the CPAs, and I totally said, "Listen, I got to tell y'all what Tim Williams said because the podcast wasn't out yet." Mm-hmm. And it was it was so helpful. It was helpful to me to really know uh, what's the difference between you marketing, which is your brand, or are you selling, which is right. really a cash issue. You need to get cash in the door to pay your employees. Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of gave leeway as to, yeah, both are okay. Just make sure you're doing them right and you know kind of what you're doing when you're doing it so you're aware of how you're positioning your brand to the market. It was, it was really eye-opening. So we're going to – this is a long – clip because we, we just couldn't find small clips for Tim Williams. But it flies by because the guy's amazing. Let's listen right now to some Tim Williams. Some hard, soft skills. Here we go. Look, I think, I mean, we're talking real estate here, and, and so part of this just has to do with the uh, economic uh, economics of our, you know, of, of real estate right now, right? I mean, there are a lot of really uh, Class A, there's a lot of Class A space in cities all over the country that's unoccupied. Right. So uh, I don't think this is uh, this is necessarily just a positioning or marketing problem. Um, okay. But but right. I mean, I know you realize that. But but as you but as you spoke, I I also uh, w- 
was thinking that that there's there's a difference there's a key difference and a lot of uh, companies don't stop to think about this there's a real difference between marketing and sales because what you're talking about is sales you know who your tar- target is you know uh y- you actually uh if you could afford a sales force or maybe maybe that's you um right. that's picking up the phone and 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 introducing you know yourselves and cold calling and you know that that's that's sales um okay but but marketing is different. Marketing is sales is push and marketing is pull, right? Sales is getting on the phone and and you know um, waving your arms and trying to get attention and make contacts. Uh, marketing is the opposite. Marketing is pull, where 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 you do so you do things that are so remarkable to the product itself that that the product almost sells itself. And okay. And and so Drucker said that you know sales and market sales. Uh, is the antithesis of marketing that the the the, the uh-huh. goal of marketing is to make sales superfluous, so uh-huh. that you do such a good job marketing that you don't have to sell. Cool. And this is what I preach to professional firms. I say, guys, you're you're worried about business development. You got somebody out there cold calling, and you know that your job, that job, would be so much easier if you if you had a differentiating business strategy and if you marketed your firm in a social media strategy and and all the ways that 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 you can get attention for your company you'd have to do a lot less selling you could the the, the brand almost markets itself so i don't okay. know if that applies to what you're talking about it it totally does and i think it applies back to our to our cpa firm listeners that we have too because it's and and tell me so maybe part of maybe i maybe i i impose some stuff onto uh, the stuff I read that you've written, where I I assume that posi- I mean even the stuff you talked about just a little bit ago about how it's hard it's hard to to decide what your what your business is not and yep. uh, the essence of positioning is sacrifice. I assumed that what that meant is meant is that once you position yourself and your firm as we service customers like this and you paint this elaborate picture of who they are if yep. that person comes through your door you say we're not your firm go somewhere yep. else that's am right. i wrong no no you're not wrong that's right I'm that's right. exactly what you do okay. right and it's a matter of degree i mean uh the, the, if a firm's been around for 20 years and 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 they 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 decide you know what we're we've we've we did okay as generalists but things have changed and now we, we realize we've got to be more specialized moving forward um, that's that takes a while. That takes you know two or three years for that that to fully take effect. You know, when I'm ever asked the question, well, how long is this going to take? I mean, who, who right. knows? But I say, I mean, my 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 answer generally is 18 to 24 months because okay. what's going to happen is you're you're going to you're going to continue to prospect for business. If if somebody comes along outside of your focus and they're literally handing you their account on a silver platter, saying, "Here, take it." You know, yeah. in the short term, okay. You know, you could maybe right. make the decision to do that, but you're going to stop actively prospecting for for clients outside your core. Which is the di- right. the marketing That's versus the sales. The deal. marketing versus the sales. Okay. Yeah. Because right. because positioning is essentially a a new business strategy at its core. It's a new business strategy. It's a business development strategy. It's saying it's saying to the outside world that we are the firm that does this, and okay. your prospects seek you out based on your your expertise and reputation well well Tim, okay. cpas they are fighting this though i mean they're they're not fighting go- it they're oh, yeah. fighting it they're not listening and going oh wow this makes a lot of sense 
Right. Are, are agencies doing that? And and at what level do you, let's say as a consultant, so let's talk about your business. When do you say, you're not ready, you don't trust me, you probably won't listen to me to try to convince you of a new paradigm, so I'm actually mm-hmm. not going to consult with you, agency mm-hmm. in particular, because your your brain is not ready to move forward. I mean, yeah. do you think about those things? I should say that more. I should say that more often. Um I mean, I remember, I remember, you know, Stephen Covey, who I, I know you guys know, recently uh, passed away. He he was an early mentor of mine. One of my business partners cool. was, uh, married his daughter, uh. and and so uh, Covey uh, was. I mean, we my firm helped la- helped uh, promote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Wow. We worked for the Covey Leadership Center when they had like four people and. I mean, we had a lot of one-on-one time with with Stephen R. Wow, that's cool. And and uh, and so we, I, I just learned so much from him. I remember him saying to me, uh, you know, he would often get on a plane and go to South America to because at the invitation of, of, of some big company, and and he'd say, you know, a, a, after a few hours with the company, he'd say, you know, guys, I don't think I can help you. And they'd say, well, gosh, why not? And he says, because you're not in enough pain. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! You know, you're not in enough pain, and and he and he'd basically say, you know, you're you're not ready. Come back, come back in a year or two when you're feeling more pain because you don't have enough incentive to change. And we're back again. That was Tim Williams, guys. Uh, we hope you really, we hope you loved our uh, our secret stash. We hope you did. Episode, and we yeah, want to say Merry Christmas. We do. If you're if you are listening to this, that means that the whole Mayan calendar thing uh, didn't didn't come to fruition. Didn't happen. Like people happen. We do want to take this moment. We actually want to thank all of our guests that we've had uh, since the very inception of this. Oh, yeah. We've been this has been going a year. We're a year and a half into this podcast now. Isn't that amazing? I can't believe that. What have you learned yeah. in a year and a half? Uh, I have learned that Skype. Although they are an unofficial sponsor, is a very unreliable. Uh, <laughs> I've learned that too. Uh, internet connection, especially on three-way video calls, you can't trust them. Um, I have learned that often it's better to call somebody on their landline from Skype rather than to yeah. uh, to do that. We learned that with uh, with some uh, guy with a double doctorate. Yeah, double doctorate. So, so that's cool. We're out. Hey, um, so before we kind of go out with our podcast sponsors, I just want to mention that you know this is the last show. Um, It'll come out after Christmas if you're listening to it. We hope you got a lot of presents from Santa Claus and all that. um, Mm -hmm. uh, The big fat guy. Um, But what's what's really cool is coming up is Thrival is really changing. Uh, Launching January second is our new website. Really, it's got a, a huge focus on members, member profiles. So. Um, it is going to be big. 2013 is going to be a big year. I'm not necessarily saying of growth. I'm saying of refocusing and a lot of learning. So we've created a whole yep. new level of, of, of membership for Thrival members, and uh, we're going to be pushing people to grow and change, have a lot of accountability with CPAs. So it's um, it's right. going to rock, I think. Right. And if you're if you're not yet a member of Thrival, you you, you got to do that because Bam. one of the things that we keep, you know, and even I just mentioned it about Tim Williams and the marketing stuff is that it's stuff that you know, but it's just you need constant reminders and constant encouragement and and some sort of kick or push to get you to do that. Being part of Thrival is a great way to to uh, to force yourself to do all that great stuff that you know you need to be doing with your business. So yep. so get plugged in. 
we're, even if you're not part of that, though, we're glad. We're we're pretty. I mean, gosh, a year end. Let's. I'm pretty thankful for the the reach that this uh, podcast seems to have. Yeah. There's there's people who have nothing to do with the accounting profession yeah. who listen to this stuff uh, because they're able to they're able to find stuff that's applicable yeah. to them. Which I which I think is awesome. Actually, funny. It reminds me of something that I that that I learned from. Uh, well, Ron Baker's not a fan of benchmarking. I asked him why once, and he said, "Well, because it's it's it, benchmarking doesn't help you innovate. It just helps you, uh, it, it you know maybe compare yourself to somebody else who's doing stuff better than you." Uh, but he did say one of the great things to do is look outside your profession to see what mm. other people and other professionals are doing, and if that can apply to you. Funny thing is, that's what we're doing every. <laughs> Every month, yeah. we're taking these things that aren't necessarily accounting, applying them to accounting, but it's it's getting other people's juices flowing in other fields as well. So that's always a lot of fun. Um, let's give our, our shout out to yep. our co-creator, the Cloud Solutions Alliance. We're very thankful for those guys. Uh, it's a great great group of, uh, of innovative cloud-based uh, solutions for your firm, including XCM, FreshBooks, Shoeboxed, Smart Vault, Fu- Fujitsu's Scan Snap community and Avalara, which, by the way, can I tell you, I spent some time with Brian Austin. That guy, he's cool. Is one of, he's one of the coolest dudes around, just to hang out with. Yeah, he's it's like he's a he's a laid back dude. We and their their product is like pretty. They're, 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 they're like taking over the planet. Yeah, they're pretty solid. So we're using their product now because it's so freaking robust. So um. Yeah, Brian, Brian Rock. So, um, so we're are we done? I mean, it's a year and a half of podcasting, and uh-huh. I mean, if you know the Mayan calendar things happening, then we've just we've gone out with a year and a half of some good crap. I'm a proud. Episode. Yeah, and we're really and and listener, right now, speaking to you, we're thankful that you that you tune in, that you download this, that you pump this into your brain via some sort of earbud or headphone, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for being a part of the a part of the ride, a part of the. Uh, the uh you know the process here cool. without you this wouldn't happen so That's thank right. you so much and thanks for listening to the uh thrivecast and one more okay so we got a shout out to jennifer uh blummer who is oh, our oh, right. producer and shane yes. mcmullen of ninth hour productions our sound and yep. audio engineer so we're out of here peoples have a good new year we'll see you in the new year あいたこんやっぱあいたあいたこんやっぱあいたあいたこんやっぱあいたあいたこんやっぱあいたあいたこんやっぱあいたあいたこんやっぱあいたあいたこんやっぱあいたあいたこんやっぱあいたあいたこ